Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be continuing our look at how to scout for next year with some soybean issues that we can see out in the field and plan for in the future. In our spotlight, we'll look at the Field of Dreams game happening Thursday, August 12th. Egg History Minute, we'll also talk about Field of Dreams. And our Cool Beans, that's corny, we'll wrap everything up with some current events. So with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So here we are today, two tornadoes in less than three days. So we had Tuesday and Wednesday both had some some wild activity, so been some crazy weather. Just thinking about that, when's the last time like our area had like it's Rare to have one tornado, but to have two tornadoes in consecutive days. Well, if you look at the statewide yesterday, I think there were at least three tornadoes. Was it? I heard down south of Madison. Like down by Toma, that area, there was a tornado warning. The one in Pulaski, and then up by Marinette, I think they had. Yep, Marinette, Wasaki. Yep. Some up there, so. I need to give the guy out of Pulaski Co-op a call, because I was actually talking to him on the phone yesterday, and he's like, got to go, tornado warning. <laughs> and he hung up the phone, I'm like, oh. Crap. So I probably should give him a call today and see if everything's all right. I wonder. I, I wonder about things like that, like a a co-op there where they got all those bins and big metal buildings that can really get some wind behind them. Yeah, United would have been pretty close to in the path of that. Right. You wonder how much you can really do at that point. How much can they really do to protect themselves? But still, I would think when it comes, you got you got to do. You feel like you got to do something, right? Something. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your safe spot, Matt? You got a nice basement you can... Yeah, just go in the basement. Got a bathroom down there that has no windows. My house is like a... It's a half basement or whatever. You know, it's got oh, right. windows and stuff. So if it if it got real bad, we'd have to go probably into the bathroom. It's the only place without windows down there. Max? I got the block block basement, man. Got the old school. Old school block got a, basement. Got like the, a couch at least down there? Uh, we're in the transitional period right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bed down there, actually. That's oh, there you our, go. Our, our extra bed for someday. Somewhere to sleep. Yeah. So we slept uh, Thursday night. We just slept, like, by the time the tornadoes were all through, or Wednesday night? Tuesday. Tuesday. By the time the tornadoes were all through, we're like, we're already down. Let's just sleep down here tonight. What the <laughs> heck? You, you pay for the same price for all the square footage. What does it matter? So we just slept downstairs. Yep. Use it all. <laughs> Different venue for it the re- evening. It really wasn't like, we're like, well, whatever. It's, you know, it was like 9 30, 10 o'clock by the time the storms like really were done. So I was all right. Yeah. So hopefully everybody out there was able to stay safe and not too badly damaged. I know there was some crop damage out there, a few buildings, um, but I haven't heard much as far as like injuries, which is good. Uh, so hopefully everyone listening is was able to stay safe during that time. Looking at the forecast, we're in the clear now for like 10 days of actually beautiful weather, low humidity and the, 75, 80. The really good thing in the forecast, Friday night into Saturday, did you see how low it's going to get for temperature? No. 50. Whoa. Ooh. And I was looking uh, up north by the cottage, 46, it said overnight. <laughs> You're whipping the windows open that night, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, man. Big hamburger days this weekend in Seymour, Ooh. so they'll have good weather for that. Yeah, the <laughs> actually yesterday when the second tornado was uh, working its way through the area, I was coming down Main Street, and the uh, Hamburger Fest sign that hangs across the big banner that hangs across the road that was uh, was whipping a little bit, whipping pretty good. <laughs> Whip it! They, I know they whip it good. They put the uh, the air the wind slits in there and try and help it a little bit. 
Not work. No. Um, I don't think you could have done anything to prevent what happened yesterday. <laughs> oh, jeez. It was really, it was pulling on those anchors pretty hard. So are you excited for Hamburger Fest, Max, as much as you were for the fair? To be honest, uh, I'm actually going to end up be being gone. out of town. Oh. So, yeah. I usually am out of town, so this will be the first time in a while that I'll, I'll be around when it's going on. So we'll probably go to the parade Saturday. Kids will like that. Catch the balloons. Are they I, still doing the balloon rally? I think so, yeah. I think they're doing two nights of balloons Friday and Saturday. I do wish we were going to be in town because I've never, my entire life, have never been to Hamburger Fest, actually. It's still kind of a big deal, but it used to be like fair, oh, yeah. down at the fairgrounds, like a really big, big deal. Those small Wisconsin festivals are just cool. Like next next weekend, I'm going to Pickle Fest. And that's in Boyceville, Wisconsin. So if you know where Boyceville is, do get, not. getting pickled in pickle, at Pickle Fest. Yeah, oh yeah, we're going to do some pickling at Pickle Fest. Do you it's, get to uh, eat pickles? Yeah, every kind you can imagine. It's relish, uh, pickle relish. Pickle beer, pickle vodka, pickle tacos, pickle fried pickles. It's like, you know, it's exactly what you expect. I mean, it everything. Pickled. Everything. Po- you, you get a pickle necklace. Possible it's a, pickle. It's a cucumber yeah. necklace. It's nice. It's not actually pickled, but you get a pickle necklace. Yep. Do you get to eat it? It's Baylor twine through it's a cucumber. It's really classy. Yeah, I suppose you could, but. I think some of them get eaten by the end of the night. Right. But, yeah. So whereabouts in the state is this festival? Uh, that's uh like. Um, trying to think of what is a really good way to describe it. If you know where uh, Menominee, Wisconsin is, yep. like UW Stout, yep. um, it's probably 15, 20 minutes outside of Menominee. So it's, um, yeah, they got a car show. We're gonna, my grandpa mm. competes in the car show every year. So really? we're hoping for a gold. There you go. Hoping for a he gold. won't go to Iola, but he'll go to Pickle Fest. Nah, dude, Iola's too far, man. <laughs> Iola's too far. It's too far. Too far. Yeah, he drives his. He he doesn't trailer. He drives his. Uh, oh, car. your other grandpa, not. Yep, 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 my other grandpa. Not your local grandpa. No, nope, my my grandpa that lives in Menominee. Got it. Got yep. it. Fifty one, fifty one uh, Chevy truck. So yeah. nice. Speaking of gold, USA big winners in the Olympics. USA. We USA. had not only the most medals but also most golds by one. Thanks, oh. thanks to Gable Stevenson of yeah. the Olympic. You're pretty team pumped about that. The last second takedown to put us over on the gold medals. Yeah, there were were a lot of good gold medal matches. I don't know if you guys watched much, but women's volleyball they just spanked Australia. Yeah, really. yeah, it was it's did, best of three. They didn't even go to the third set. We had the company outing a handful of couple of Thursdays ago, and we went for lunch at the bar. That was and they had the Olympics on. That was all the Olympics I watched. Sure, so archery really? and that was pretty. Pretty poor Olympics that, that I amount of time. You know Sorry, viewership. Viewership part, for yeah. my part. Yeah, not poor Olympics, but, but viewership on that mine. That seems to be the trend. And I think, honestly, NBC is really making it hard to watch the Olympics. Well, they, they chop it up so much that it's. It seemed like every time I tune in, it was either like diving and or swimming, but mostly diving, or track and field. Like that's all that was really aired on TV. Every once in a while, like the. The US Team USA basketball men's. I watched part of that game, and then the uh, women's beach volleyball was on one night. But yeah, most of it was like running stuff. It seemed. Yeah, that's all I really saw on the the standard NBC channel twenty six. I had to go to a different channel, like the. Is Bob Costas on anymore? He's not with NBC anymore. Oh, no, it's Tarico. He's got his own oh, own thing going, I think, on HBO or one of those. Got it. Tarico does a good job, I would think. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Then they had some, I don't know if she's British. Like There was a blonde-haired woman, I can't remember her name, with an accent that was doing a lot of the coverage. The little bit of stuff I did see like in the daytime. 
Yeah. Tariko. Tariko was okay. It kind of, yeah, it felt like football a little bit. Sure. Hearing his voice. Dun, 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 dun. Which, hey. Yeah, football's back, baby. Family yeah. night last Saturday. Yeah. And this weekend starts the preseason, preseason. action. Sounds sounds like Jordan wait. loves getting eighty percent of the snaps, which he should. Sounds like Jordan loves an animal, from what I heard about family night. Oh yeah. Yeah, he said he looked really good last week. Hmm? Which I'm glad Aaron Rodgers is back. I don't care what anybody says about oh, we don't need him. Like he's we gonna need be him. that big of a want. You know what, you guys? I think you forget what it was like when he broke his collarbone. Mm-hmm. Well or <laughs> <laughs> or quarterbacks was, in four <laughs> subsequent weeks. What it was like, as good of a quarterback as he is, when he started yeah. after Favre left, how bad he looked. Like, doesn't matter how great you can look in a couple preseason games or a family night scrimmage where you're playing your own defense, which you do every practice anyway. Like, when it comes to game time, experience counts. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited that Aaron Rodgers is back, but... I was encouraging at least that he was doing because last year Jordan Love wasn't even doing it right at family night, so I'll take it. Steps in the right direction because well, he didn't get anything last year, really. No, because they didn't have preseason or they just rolled right into the games and. Yep. Rogers doesn't need any warm up. No, his interview yesterday was really interesting. I don't know if you guys. I didn't. Yeah, see he did his an interview, interview yesterday. Um, like post game for post practice. Yeah, um, and it was just like how he's. Spent the whole offseason working on himself, and he was completely okay with not competing. This he two days before training camp is when he decided he was going to participate, and he was totally. It wasn't. I'm either going to go somewhere else, or I'm not going to. He's like, it was either play for the Packers or be done playing altogether. So the retirement talks were real. Yeah, he said that was like. He just didn't know if he could do a full. He couldn't. He didn't know if he could give full effort anymore, and he didn't want to show up if he wasn't going to be all in. But the Bronco stuff apparently not so much. Oh yeah. In that case. Well, if he was yeah, talking, talking he w- retirement right, right, not right. then he wasn't gonna then get he traded. wasn't gonna go to the the Broncos like they kept saying all. Yeah. So that was I think that was encouraging because I'd rather him retire than go somewhere else. Right. Going yeah. somewhere else would hurt a lot more. We did that sixteen years ago. Yep. Yeah, it was it was miserable then. <laughs> well and how many I mean, not that it but having your main quarterback is a bigger deal, but how many Starting NFL quarterbacks that the Packers trained back in the nineties. A lot. I mean Ty Detmer, um what Mark was Brunel. Mark Brunel, um Seattle guy, gonna take the ball and we're gonna score. <laughs> Hasselback. Hasselback, Matt Hasselback, you know. Uh, what's the guy that played for the Saints too? Oh, <clears throat> oh uh Bobby, yeah. Drew Brees. No. It was before that. I'll yeah, think of it. What the heck was it? Yeah, I can't think of it either. Besides Taysom Hill, we sent Taysom Hill right. too. That was that was more recent. We could have he could that's fine. <laughs> but uh yeah all right you guys ready to get into a little bit talk yep. some soybeans do it all right so last week we kind of we're talking about you know what we're scouting for now as things are starting to wind down we're we're getting closer and closer to harvest probably within the next three weeks we'll see stuff start to roll so it is surprising we're that close to harvest already i don't feel like i feel like the summer went by fast it's weird how this summer felt like everything was going to be early but then now that we get down to it it's like what we would consider normal i guess as far as harvest timing goes like early september labor day weekend man every year doesn't matter doesn't matter mark it down we i except for was it 2019 when it was like october 1st instead of september 1st we had this conversation i had it like three times this week and they're like it's still gonna be early right and i was like no, it's not. It's going to be Labor Day weekend. Like Somehow, yeah, despite being ahead in growing degree units. And but I can't make my high stuff. moisture in August like we, well, like I hoped. 
Yeah. No. I'll, I'll blame Frost. Blame, right. Blame the Frost for it because we lost on some stuff. We lost probably two, three leaves on that. So easily. Yeah. For sure. What it, What's really crazy to me right now is I'm driving around here. And I do spend some time working in the southern part of the state, and I would say we're gonna start chopping here first, honestly. No, I think here, here first here before first. there. Yeah, I really. think so. I think so. Well, they, the frost was a lot worse down there. Yeah, I will say that yeah. it was a lot. Yeah, there worse. was that weird pocket like around Beaver Dam that seemed to really Got get nailed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I like today. I drove around down south all week and didn't find any dents. And today I was in, uh, I was in Freedom and found. 75% done in corn, and that's short day corn, but still, you know, it's a little, it seems a little further ahead up here, which is odd. Yeah, but we did get planted. I mean, there were guys around here planting 25th of April, so. Yeah, planted the same and definitely shorter day varieties up right. here, for sure. And not as frosted. And not as not set back near as far when that happened. And it stayed a little bit wetter up here, too, so. When it's really after that initial dry period, yeah. Yeah, but even that, our, the dry period here compared to down south was a little bit shorter, and I think that kind of kept things. Yeah, and I mean, you know, corn, around here, the corn took the brunt of the frost, the soybeans. We really didn't see, you know, maybe a little bit of nicking here, whereas the soybeans really took it, took it both further up north and to the south really seemed to take the, the brunt of that frost damage, so... So what can we do? What are we doing now? Scouting in, in soybeans, and obviously white mold. I think we we touched on that a little bit last week, but that's a big issue every year. It seems when it comes to looking at soybeans, just waiting to see if it'll rear its ugly head. We're starting to see it last week a little bit, and I think now with another week of rain and humidity, it's just going to keep keep going. Unfortunately, yeah, I had my first stuff about two weeks ago, and. Last week you were, two weeks ago I had to scout for it, like you had to be in the field, actively looking to find it, and yeah, this last week now it's like, eh, yeah, you can start to see it from the field edge, mm-hmm. like, yep, there's a dead patch over there, that's most likely the white mold. I would say most of my time scouting soybeans right now is spent uh, swearing and trying to fight my way through, because they're, <laughs> that, uh, oh, they're lodged pretty they're good. A, they're a jungle. If they're good. Yeah, which there's a... There's a lot of good beans, I think. Or I'm not going to say good yield. There's a lot of tall, tall beans. beans. Tall beans, yeah. And if you can walk through them, Max, and not swear, you're probably not going to have white mold, right? Right. 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 But the that's the problem is there's not. A, I don't have a whole lot of fields that I can walk <laughs> through and not swear. So you, which, get, you're, you can get big thigh muscles, though. Yeah, like You true. can have quadzilla at some point if you Actually, keep doing that. And it's not entirely true because I walked through some this morning that were not super tall and falling over but had standing water on the entire 100 acres, wasn't super easy to walk through there either. No. And I was kind of miserable. <laughs> so, yeah, no. The other day, driving through Shacked, and it's like, oh, yeah, you can see the sheen between all the roads. Yeah. Like, yep, there's lots of water why are those, there. Why are those beans so reflective today? What's going on with that? Oh, it'd be the uh, standing water between the water. The one thing I, I think we should, like farmers and agronomists should, like take note of this fall is I remember last winter when we went through all of our seed meetings and we talked about um, soybean varieties and white mold and how all it seemed like per, every company said the same thing. Like, if you have white mold, stick with extend, extend beans. If you have water hemp, then go with enlist beans because the white mold isn't as good. Sure. You know, so if you don't have white mold but you have water hemp, then let's go with enlist. What do you have both? 
that's my that's what I'm bringing it up is I think we should watch that to see if if that's what's really happens this year is if we get my white mold is it just endless beans is it both did the extend truly handle it better than than the enlist do start breeding extended enlist soybeans together right and you probably want to you probably do want to pay attention a little bit to history on that Right. If you're a farm that's a super white mold heavy... It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It, There's it, those fields. We know those. Yeah. You know the ones. You know exactly which fields I'm talking about. Right. And you can, off the top of your head, you probably know other guys' growers who have the problem because you just know, like, there's a very distinct pattern. Yeah. But I will be cu- curious to see, though, if, if in general, the enlist beans don't handle the white mold as good as the extend is what people were talking about last winter. Yep. I did see last year, even, um, the enlist beans seemed to take get hit by disease in general a little bit harder, but disease came on late enough that a lot of the beans were far along in their maturity that it didn't matter as much. Where this year, I, it seems to be hitting a little bit earlier and that we're really going to get a good trial here this year, I think. But also next year will be year three or four of Enlist, so we should start having some better better genetics kind of popping up here. Hopefully, so yeah. That's usually, I mean, we're kind of in that window now where things should start to really take off and varieties should get a little tougher. Yeah, the early years of Extend too. We were we weren't sure what we were going to see for white mold. Had some some failures when it came to that, but their the genetics have gotten better. Obviously, so the, the combine same. will be like we talked last the judge, week. The judge, yeah, right? Yep. So just note those in your in your fields, though. I think would be a good thing. Yep. Bill, what what about contans? What does that do so, for us? So that basically um, it's kind of like a fungicide, if you will. It kind of prevents the sclerotia. I never say that word correctly. Sclerotia, um, the fruiting bodies of the white mold from germinating. Um, and there's, to me, like reading literature on it, there's different theories you can, like, when to apply it. It is kind of expensive. Um, and you got to apply a couple pounds to the acre, and you got to, it's kind of a pain because you got to keep it cool. You can't really hold it over. It's just the management of the product itself is a little bit, but you can spray it on. It's, you know, you just mix it in and you spray. Um, you know, some of the thought is like, okay, spray it after soybeans because, you know, if you have white mold and you throw the sclerotia out, then next year it germinates and you can kill it right away. Or do you do you spray it going into soybeans so that you're protected going into beans? So there's a little bit of a, I don't know if I'm on board with one way is better than the other. Well, and the effectiveness too, they almost want you to work it in a little bit too, don't they? Yeah. Rather than just lay it on top. So, you know, if you're in a no-till situation, it's yet another decision of, okay, do I want to break up my no-till to use this product, or do I take the chance that maybe I just spray it on top and maybe it'll still do something for me. Or we spray it on top and do a little bit heavier rate so that we maybe ensure ourselves a little better effectiveness. I'm not not quite sure. And like I said, it is quite expensive. I talked to a grower this spring about doing it, and it was like 40 bucks an acre-ish. And they're like, ooh, you know, like that's. Right. But, but think about like if you got white mold, and you lose thirty bushel, you know, you had sixty bushel beans, and you get thirty bushels. I mean, you gave up way more than forty bucks, right? I got a question to pose to you two here. Um, you're talking, you know, we we would break our no-till cycle by using this product, probably. Do I see this pattern? I was going through my notes this week. I see a pattern where we see less white mold in no-till situations. Yep. I will say that probably has something to do with the fact that, in general, those beans are shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys see that, too, or am I just 
it's just a lucky pattern that I found because I I really was like comparing my notes from last year going to this year and all that stuff and I if if I look at like I got like five farms that that are just like tree like I know that if white mold's going to be there and it's going to be bad it's going to be on these fields and these five farms and if I think about each one of those max all but one are dairies and they all work it's you know high tillage relatively conventional tillage right and their beans always get chest high. Well, and I think white mold follows the dairy pattern pretty hard because yeah. in when you're in a dairy rotation in general, that means there's manure involved somewhere. Right. And even even the maybe it wasn't this year's manure, in general I think when you have manure in your rotation, you have every um you have every nutrient that plant could ever need. All those micros that yep. you don't generally account I mean, we don't account for micros very often, but they're there and that plant shouldn't struggle hardly ever and i think that really contributes i would say what you're noticing is is somewhat true and i, I think part of it is does have to do with the height of the beans i mean was that about three or four years ago we had just super super tall bean like it was the best bean year for vegetative growth we'd had in a long time and um, you know we had a summer scout that was shorter than the beans which <laughs> is not normal um but those <clears throat> tall beans no, they were they were like five five foot some odd tall. You had to pull them off the ground to measure them, but right. they were they were pretty huge. I'm not super tall, but I know there's been years where they've been to my eyeballs, and that's a tall bean. Yeah, and then they tip over. But I think if you've got the history there, that plays into it probably just as much. Yeah, if, if you know, like Bill said, he knows those those five fields or six fields on the farm that are most likely to get it when they're rotated into beans, and I think that. That plays a pretty big role too. Is that history of once you get it, it's it's not just going to magically go away. It's it's in the soil, and that's why the the contans is a is a viable option because then you're you're making a basically a soil amendment to try to correct minimize the production of the sclerotia. I think the put the bow on the contans thing is just it takes some planning yep. to manage that, and then even the scrawler we were talking about the spring wanted to do it. I couldn't find it anywhere. Like I called five different co-ops and I couldn't get it. So yep. if you're thinking about it, like you got to manage the application because it's not just as simple as opening the bag and go. Like I said, you got to keep it cool and make sure you have the right rate, and then make sure you find it. You know, start calling now if you're thinking about this fall because if you wait till October first and you're going to combine the fifteenth, yeah, it's it's probably you not, may not a, find it. Not as popular as your glyphosate where they're not regularly gonna bring it in yeah. necessarily. They need to know, they need to order it. Whoever you're gonna get it through. So Soybean cyst is another issue we kinda watch for throughout the year in soybeans and uh this is the time of year as we're getting closer to harvest um and post harvest that we wanna start pulling those tests to see if we've got populations if that's really what what we're seeing in in the beans and if you're in Wisconsin every farmer gets two free tests from the Wisconsin soybean board so um every year every year so it's it's a great opportunity to you know if you're working with agronomists they'll probably pull the test for you send it in and you know you're not going to pay a lab fee to to have it processed so pretty good opportunity to check for those pesky little buggers yeah if you don't have an agronomist you and do it yourself just google scn test wisconsin soybean board or something like that and all the information will pop up 
you reach out to them, they'll send you the, you the kit, you fill up the bag, and it's the shipping labels on it. So, you, I mean, it's literally free. The only thing you have to do is pull the sample. Yep. And then the rest is magic. <laughs> yep, the magic. As, as soil tests go, pretty easy. Yep. We send them to process. the wizard in Nebraska. Yep. And they figure it out. Well, and they. And you get like it's not just soybean cyst. You get like any cyst that's any um, nematode that's in the soil. So you get corn, you get soybean. Is it lots of stuff? So it's pretty cool. And I know some guys will pull them in cornfields that they're going to rotate to soybeans, right? To check to see, okay, do we have a high population? Do I need to manage this differently? Just realistically, probably the better way to do it at the end of your soybean season. It doesn't really unless you want to make sure that's what it was, right? Yeah. Yep. True. You know, yeah, confirm a diagnosis, yeah. And I have I have a scout that's working for me this summer that she worked for Pioneer last year and did a lot of them, and it sounds like they were just doing, like, field entrances and low spots. Normally, I kind of do the whole field, so... But usually they are in field entrances and yeah. low spots because yep. that's where the soil say, gets detached. Every soybean cyst nematode test I've ever come back high was a low spot or yeah. a field entrance, so yep. I mean, that makes some sense. Yep. Then we got the big one, Aguahempe, the water hemp that we, we've we dealt with and talked about and is probably still out there germinating right now. Yeah. We're in yeah. early August yet. I mean, usually now it's starting to, to taper off, but it's still potentially possible. We got heat units and moisture now. Moisture this, that had, had new ones could be rear their, rearing their ugly heads. Impressively late germination out of water hemp this year, I would say. Yeah. I mean, corn that's 11, 12 feet tall, and last week water hemp started to emerge, and I just can't. I don't under. I don't even understand how that's possible, but it is. It's happening. Yep. <clears throat> so, how did your management go? If you're experiencing issues, good time to look at. You know, what's out there? Were you able to burn them down? At least minimize seed production, or was it just the total? Total cluster, and now going in next year, you're going to have to really gear up and knowing that most likely that you're going to have that same issue moving forward. So that time of year, or this time of year, is the perfect time to start planning that, looking at it and deciding, because a lot of guys are going to be buying their seed in the next month or so here. You know, varieties, like Bill talked earlier, extend and list what's what's been working what can you get sprayed to manage your your problem weed we talked about extend and list you know liberty is still an option you know yep liberty as well so don't don't forget about that but i do think that if you have any pressure of water hemp you got to go with a, a layered residual program you know it's easier to kill them up front than it is try to get them later and I don't know exactly how you guys felt if you had any list sprayed, but even if you had any height on the weeds, it, it still didn't do the great job. So I was actually reading uh, some stuff out of UW yesterday, and their uh, weed scientist noted that um, efficacy this year was subpar at best. Sure. And uh, he's, they, they've hypothesized pretty heavily that it had more to do with conditions than actual resistance on some of those mm-hmm. other products. They were there's obviously still waiting for some of their results to come in, but I felt the same way this year. Like, man, we really this enlist was not as successful. Liberty was not as successful. Uh, the dicambas were not as successful, and 
well, even even our residuals with the cooler weather early, lack of moisture, there was questions of full activation. Yeah. We don't have a lot of answers right now. That's right. the... I do, I do wonder, too, like, I had a field of beans sprayed really late, um, just with the way the weather worked out, and the fields were pretty clean, and then all of a sudden, like, some velvet leaf and some lamb's quarters came late, and I'm talking, like, three, four foot tall by the time, it, like, it was, the population was enough to go out. I mean, there was scattered all along, but they got big, so we sprayed it with Liberty, and it wiped out the lamb's quarter and the velvet leaf, like done a little bit better weather on that late spring yeah but i also wondered too like just because water hemp has so many growing points like we get these big plants and we try to kill them and we're like why didn't they die well how many of those growing points got hid by another part of the plant or another plant next to it and we just didn't kill it because she didn't get all like you know with those other weeds it's a couple growing points or maybe even just one and now you got water hemp that's got you know a small one to two foot water hemp can have 20 or 30 growing points on it. Yeah. Water hemp is the hydra. You cut one head off and right. two grow in its place. What I will say on uh, this year, looking at some of the notes and stuff is I, I felt like we had a lot better success with the early post application rather than the p- complete pre where we were, you know, putting it down the same day we were planting, mm-hmm. ha- waiting a week or two there and, and doing something that can be on ex- emerged beans that seemed to have a little bit better success. Probably had more moisture, right? More had, moisture. It was closer to when the moisture came, and it makes a window. It makes the window a little bit better, right? Because well, otherwise, we're putting it on, and the beans aren't even out of the ground for the first two weeks. Well, that's two weeks. That's not super productive, right? So, if you're planting or, into cold soils or weedy, yeah, and your, cold soils, your residual yeah. is just burning off while you're waiting for emergence, right. yeah, right. And so I, I noticed that this year that I, I was, I kind of like that that early post application and you got to have the right and, and we can get away generally through the June, through June 1st before we get water. Hemp yeah, I was going to say Memorial day ish, but so we get pretty cl- close there. We can wait. We do not need to be putting a pre on, on April 28th. Yeah. We're not going to have water hemp at that point. So why, why are we so nervous about putting it out there? Part of it is having the right product, but watch your GDU calculator and just you'll know exactly when yeah, you just hit it right before it was it three hundred did we determine? Yeah, it was the three or three hundred fifty something like that is when water when it starts to pop out. But it also gives you a better. Sometimes I feel like when we put it on so early, we're hitting our second pass so early, and the beans are nowhere near canopy yet. And right, and then we're like, well, we've we've gone twice, we've used different product, and we're we're kind of at an impasse here, and it's it's not. It's too early, so. And kind of lastly, when it comes to the soybeans, now we can plant our cover crops for the year. Uh, Behind corn silage, soybeans are typically, depending on maturity range, your best option to throw some, well, I should say behind wheat and corn silage, because wheat is your earliest option to get a cover crop out there. Um, So think about your cover crop goals. Know that soybeans, you're getting later into the year. Look at what kind of temperatures you need for germination. If you want growth, when you're looking at your goals, make sure you've got something that'll germinate at a lower temperature and still get some growth yet this fall. Don't be throwing, you know, hot weather annuals in in October. It's just not going to get the growth that you want to get. I think that's the most, one of the most important things, Matt, about cover crops is define your goals first because there's so much stuff that we could use for cover crops, whether it's grasses like, you know, barley or rye or perseum clover or blancet clover or cama, whatever that, you know, there's so much stuff out there that define your goals 
determine what's going to meet that. Do you want big growth in the spring? Do you not want growth in the spring? And then go after your cover crop based on what you want within your farm. Absolutely. And remember that some of you have requirements as to what your cover crop has to be. It's not even yep, if necessarily what the goal is. You, you, you're assigned into a program where you have to have, you you're, know. Three. You're taking cost sharing and know those yep. dates. Yep. 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 You got to do a three species and they all, you know, you can't pick something that's past its prime on date because it doesn't count as an active species then. Like Bill mentioned, blanche or clover, that would not be my choice after soybeans. Um, just our geography is not great for getting that established. And after, really, after wheat's the best option for that one. I had a couple guys try frost eating it this spring, just really didn't. Didn't do it. Didn't take off. Do you think we can do that after corn silage? Uh, I think you're pushing it a little bit, but you you might get some growth. It's a very slow-moving one from what I've seen. We haven't done a lot of it, um, but the couple of places I've seen it, I've got a guy like right now looking to plant some so after if it, if it's in a rye. Mix. So. If it's in a mix, it might do well. Yeah, might do okay, but I wouldn't. Yeah, that wouldn't be my go-to for a single species. If anything, do it in a mix and as early as you can. Um, so whether it's after silage or wheat, probably your best option. Um, just talking to some of the guys out there that do a lot of that in other states. You know, they've got longer growing seasons. They can they can play with a little bit more up here. We just can't. We don't have that window. So, all right. So there's what we're looking for in soybeans to help plan for next year. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So the Field of Dream Games is Thursday, October, August, October, yeah, August 12th, which is today, the day we're recording this podcast. So tonight, we'll be able to watch some Field of Dreams. It is the New York Yankees against the Chicago White Sox. If you build it, they will come. Yes. If right, you, that's, a, that's the saying. That's the saying. I've never that, seen the movies. So. Oh, you really? Here we go. If you build it, he will come. So fuzz creepy, just a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean that movie came out nineteen eighty nine. So it's shoeless Joe Jackson is for reference. Yeah. Max was not alive. Yeah, uh, I Ooh. was five, and was Bill, 11. you would have been yeah, 11. eleven, at yeah. least twenty three by then. Bill, yeah, okay, shaving. Yeah, so I remember this movie. You know, and really, when you look at uh, like that music that you just heard, and and the the setting of this guy kind of wandering through a cornfield by himself. You would, almost like dusk. It is. It could be just as easily the setup for a horror movie as it is yeah, for this, yeah. if this they baseball. That, if they showed that in the trailer, that's not one I would sign up to watch. If no. that was the trailer right there, I would, I'd be like, oh, meh. Although my family is a baseball family. My boys are knee-deep in baseball all summer long, and we had a rain day this spring, and my aunt had given us the DVD of Field of Dreams, and we popped it in, and it was cool watching it. 25 years later with my son you know that yep that was kind of neat so so the it's taking place at the actual field of dreams uh the iowan people are willing to pay so this article from the des moines register not missing out on this game they were looking to pay top dollar for mlb's field of dream game tickets i'm trying to find the price here to see if they they had the listing but uh yes Two tickets, $771. Ooh. 
I don't know seating wise how that's set up. If that's if you if you scroll down more too, Matt, it even says StubHub had them on for fourteen hundred. Wow, as of Tuesday. I gotta guess that's not the f- seating of a normal. Yeah, it's eight thousand seats. Yeah, and a normal MLB ballpark is what thirty. 35, 40, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a lot yeah. less seats, so it's not a super huge surprise. They're more expensive, right? Oh, yeah, easily. So, yeah, if you're looking to go to the game, one, good luck, then me. Probably not <laughs> not selling tickets to the door. I'm guessing I haven't seen anything to say it's sold out, but I would think if it's a hot, hot commodity, especially after a year of baseball kind of being... You know, a watch only from home type deal where they weren't having big crowds. So now that we're back to crowd baseball, I think it's probably a good timing for this game as far as getting people to attend. Have yeah. you guys been to a live game yet? Uh, no, I'm not this year, no. Baseball game? Or I mean, just in general? in general in a stadium. I saw a Green Bay Blizzard a couple weeks ago. Did you? Yep, that was good. Yeah, I haven't uh, haven't been to a, a sports been. venue yet this year. I've been to a movie. Went to the movie theater. That was that was nice. It was different, kind of going back and yeah. But uh, but yeah, and they got special uniforms for the game as well. So New York and the Sox. I don't think the Yankees jerseys have changed in two hundred. They look pretty similar, except for the pinstripes. Yep, they look pretty similar. Yep, the White Sox are different. Is is Field of Dreams your favorite baseball movie? Major League is my favorite baseball. I could <laughs> I not like watch. League, yeah. I could not watch that one with my sons. Pedro though. Serrano. You could. <laughs> I could. You don't want to see Pedro sacrificing a chicken no, for the good of the, no. the team. I really like Rookie of the Year. That's, that's is that yours? Yeah. Willie Mays Hayes. I like Major League though. It's but, I don't know. Something about Rookie of the Year's got some nostalgia for me though sure. a little bit. Sandlot. Yeah, Sandlot. Sandlot's the boys good. watched Sandlot for about three weeks straight for a while there. Yeah, Mark's pretty good. Mike. Kids watch that one too. Um, we haven't watched them yet, but I think on Disney now they have. Uh, is it is it Rookie of the Year? The one where he like breaks his arm yep, and then gets yep. the, yeah. But that kid was in another baseball movie because there's that one and then uh, Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, Angels in the Outfield. I think those are both on yep. Disney now. Yeah, he was in two baseball movies before he was like 15. Probably hasn't been in a movie since. I don't think so. No, I think my favorite part of uh, Rookie of the Year. Funky butt loving. Yeah. Did you just say funky butt loving? Like he punches the doctor in the face because his art, like, oh yeah, because of the injury, it makes him stronger. The excuse is like it. It's like his tendons are like wound up like a rubber band, and he can just throw super fast. Sure. For a kid his age, and he just punches the doctor in the face, and the guy's like bleeding out of his nose. That's what he. I I always remember that phrase. Is that's such a random thing, but it's it's kid friendly movie, so you can't say. Son of a, or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's a great movie. Great movie. Yeah. So now we'll move into the Egg History Minute. I love the banjo. So the history of the Field of Dreams game, since we're talking about that today, the game was originally planned to be played on August 13th, 2020 with the White Sox facing the Yankees. However, due to the COVID-19, the MLB implemented a shortened 2020 season. Limited games played to each team's division and the opposite leagues geographically equal division to reduce travel. 
But on July 1st, MLB announced that the St. Louis Cardinals replaced the Yankees for the game, so there was a plan to have a different matchup. After several St. Louis players and coaches <laughs> tested positive, oh. that kind of put the kibosh on that one, leading to an August 3rd last year announcement that the MLB Field of Dreams game would be postponed to this year, 2021. In November of last year, MLB announced the 2021 game date and the contest would feature the original planned participants, White Sox and Yankees. So that's where we are today, gearing up for tonight's game. So as you're listening tomorrow, hopefully you were able to catch it, or at least if you're a big baseball fan, aware of what's going on. So What really stinks is the Yankees are not very good. They're not as good as they normally are, yeah. No, and they're finding very interesting ways to lose. And the Sox are really good. They're really good. So it would be it would have been a better game last year, I think, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying, because mm-hmm. the Yankees would have been. Sure. Yankees yeah. were pretty hot last year. Well, they always were the best team money could buy. Maybe they just didn't spend enough. I mean, they just got Rizzo, too, so, you know. Rizzo. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast, and we just ask that you tell a farmer friend. So if you're listening to the podcast and you know somebody else, introduce them to, A, what a podcast is, some guys may not know, uh, and B, our podcast in particular. So if you search Tilt Talk Radio, you can find it on Apple Podcasts or on any, well, I shouldn't say any, most Android podcast platforms like Podcast Addict. Podbean or Player FM. I know Podcast Addict is the one I use on my phone. Uh, to listen on your computer or your smartphone through a browser, so just going onto the web, whether it's Chrome or Firefox or Safari, you can go to http colon backslash backslash tilthag.com slash podcasts to find episodes there as well. And no, you don't actually have to type out the HTTP part, but... www. Like Ron Burgundy, I just read what's on the prompter. So, uh, Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. Let's get into some current events with our Cool Beans. That's corny. So, Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans this week, something we've talked about a number of times over the course of the podcast, especially the last couple of years, Soil health practices and how they can boost the bottom line. So a study showed soil health benefits include lower input costs and higher profits for a number of farms. This particular study was done by the Soil Health Institute with support from Cargill Incorporated. The study involved 100 farms and it was the economics of soil health on those 100 farms sought to discover what agronomic benefits better soils provided, as well as if they had favorable economics. Positive results um, were seen for nearly all farms in the study. Net income per acre improved by an average of 51.60 per acre for corn and 44.80 per acre for soybeans. The study excludes any uh, subsidies, such as conservation cost share payments for cover crops. The farm's are large commercial operations in states that grow 71% of the nation's corn and 67% of the soybeans. Those states included all of the corn belt from Nebraska through Ohio, South Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan, Tennessee, and the average size of the farms was around 2,000 acres. Good-sized farm, then. Yeah, I think they did have a few smaller farms, um, 
being at the average size was 2,000. Like they had some big ones and then a few smaller ones, but the average size came out to be that. So Soil Health Institute has already released results from its study for each state, but on Wednesday, they, for the first time, had public discussion for data from all of the states. 100 farms in the study used no-till on 85% of their acres, compared with 37% of all U.S. farms. So they've planted cover crops on 53%, so just over half of the acres, which is far ahead of the 5% average for all farms' acres in cover crops. So kind of neat to see that they are, so these farms are seeing a payoff from managing with soil health in mind. And then our That's Corny for this week, topic we've touched on a number of times in this segment. China trade uncertainty builds as phase one enters year two. So there are questions abounding for Chinese demand for U.S. ag products as the phase one trade deal moves toward an anticipated phase two. Iowa State University Extension economist Chad Hart says the hope and expectation is China will continue to buy, but it may not be as strong as it's been in the past 12 to 18 months. So, you know, phase one kind of crawled along. We saw a few spurts of real positive buying from China and then kind of some slacking off toward the end of the year. So we hope it'll go well, but if history is our guide, maybe some hiccups along the way. I did see in here he mentioned something else that we talked about, that China is finally starting to rebuild from the African swine fever they had sweep through, which he yep, does expect to help our ex- our exports, their demand for feed grains to go up a little bit here. Now they're going to actually be back to full, full-fledged, full uh, full-fledged operations, hopefully. So they'll, they'll be wanting more corn. Yeah. Maybe. That's the thought. I mean, they, there's a lot, there's a lot of empty barns over there when that went through. I mean, a lot, it really wiped a lot. Yeah. Of they took, out. took it hard. Yeah. So, and you think about that, I mean, imagine if you took a third of the cows away in Northeast Wisconsin right now, how much less feed we would need, you know, do the same, same thing over there. So hopefully that helps. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Today we talked about the soybean look at the end of the year here, how to start managing for next year. Our Spotlight and Egg History Minute, we talked about the Field of Dreams game happening today, August 12th, 2021. In our Cool Beans That's Corny, we had soil health practices seeing a boost in the bottom line and our that's corny was trade uncertainty continues with china so thanks for listening and as always happy farming